so yesterday so here's the story so yesterday okay um girls go up they go to sleep i was on the couch playing animal crossing no surprise in the living room naturally and it was all cozy i have my blankie i have my pillows and i mean all the lights were on and i just got the overwhelming yeah i'm gonna take a nap it's gonna happen right now so i do that <laughs> And then uh, super husband, very nice, comes, turns off the lights. I burrow deeper into my nap space. And then when it was time for movie club, he comes over and he like kneels down. So he's like, his face is on level with my face. And mm -hmm. he gets really close to my ear and he goes, so do you want to watch a movie tonight? <laughs> and I swear, Katie... There's probably a meme for this, but like my soul left my body <laughs> and flew up several feet. My whole body jumped and I was like, ah. I was like, I was like dead, dead asleep. And I was like, I'm so tired. got up normal time which listeners um i work east coast hours out here on the west coast so normal time it's for tough. me is like 5 30 um got up normal time was feeling really productive you know and got up fed ollie did all these things you know had some breakfast sat back down to like futz around on my phone fell asleep till 11 30 <laughs> love it we have had this issue for the past couple of weeks where every few days, one of the smoke alarm batteries in the house will die. And so it has that really god-awful beeping noise. But it only happens at 2, 3, or 4 in the morning. It never happens in the afternoon. And so then it's like groggy, asleep, trying to figure out which one it is because there's one in every room. So like daughter number one's room daughter number two right in the hallway in the bathroom like where are where's the noise coming from so he very smartly yesterday while i was doing nothing changed every single smoke alarm battery in the house smart super husband last night in the middle of my in-depth sleep at four <laughs> in the morning i start having the craziest dreams where this incessant beeping is going on so then i wake up and it's the smoke alarm in our bedroom is, I mean, so loud. There's that chirping again. How are you not hearing that? Newsflash, asshole. I've been hearing it the entire goddamn time. Then why would you say something? Because I hate you. Oh, my God. So he gets up out of bed, but he didn't realize it was in our bedroom. So he's going around the house trying to figure out which <laughs> smoke alarm it is. And finally comes back and I was like, no, it's, it's the one in here. He changes it. He had changed that battery yesterday. I guess it was a dud. So, wow. yeah. So if that hadn't happened, I mean, I would have slept straight <laughs> through the night again, despite my two naps during the day. I'm and fine, I, by the way. I'm totally fine. Yeah. I don't know. I think this might, I think I just might be like this. I know this doesn't make sense scientifically, but like fighting off something mental. Mm-hmm. I think like yeah. on like maybe I'm on a bit of a downswing because I've just been sleeping more and like not being able to bring myself to do things that I okay like this really does sound like a commercial can you not do things you enjoy <laughs> do you no longer like, find joy in the things you used to <laughs> no I hear what you're saying though about like trying to ward something off and I think it's it's good to listen to our bodies I don't know for me I'm on the upswing of a down place and I feel like you kind of go through the same 
thing mm-hmm. where it's like, whenever I'm sick, okay, I, and I'm getting better, I always try to do too much too fast, and then I end up relapsing. And I feel like it's the same thing with our mental health. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to take it easy. And I'm like, you know what? My body's saying it wants to take a nap. I'm gonna, I'm gonna honor that. Here you right. go, and body. It's just, and it's very much like I had. I've talked about this with my therapist quite a bit of um, being hard on yourself uh, doesn't really give you the same returns as self-kindness. But like for me and my having been super, super anxious my whole life and it being undiagnosed and it just was a mark of a high achiever, right? And it was just, oh, you're hard on yourself when you don't do something. And like that becomes, oh, you know, that's my motivator. Like, me going, well, why aren't you doing this, you lazy piece of shit? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's really not effective. At, but in my brain, whenever I'm like, oh, I'm being kind to myself or whatever, my, my next thought is, well, how much is being kind and how much is being, you're just lazy. And I'm just, so I'm trying to like balance that out of just like, no, no. Um, welcome to our mental health podcast. Well, hello. <laughs> Listeners, would you like to share some stories with us? We're, we're here to listen and validate yeah. you. Let's take a caller. Um, First caller. You're located yes. where? In Seattle, Washington? Is that what you Seattle. said? Yes. Wow. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Yes. And, and yes, it is raining. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are by coastal Besties. And we're bonding um, over wine. And mysteries. And this is. Uh, and, and mental health. And mental health, apparently. Uh, struggles. Urge. Um, gotta de- stigmatize the stigma, y'all. Right. All, you know, all of us have, uh, everyone's got something. Um. Yeah, so we are covering Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, uh, as hosted by Jonathan Frakes. Our listener, Jenny, is uh, concerned that we have not said that we are Frakes Freaks. Oh. Um, as, as a fan term. But I did want to give a shout out to Jenny for being a loyal listener. Jenny. And we love you, Jenny. say hello. And I am definitely a Frakes Freak. I didn't know it needed to be said, but I really also like... <laughs> reclaiming the word freak okay okay like freaks and geeks like yes say moi (laughs) 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 and um oh get ready for this week uh speaking (gasps) um do we have a french return oh she won't tell me yet french and quotes quotes and yeah so yeah freaks freaks fanatics freaks freaks um, I mean, I did watch Freakazoid as a, as a kid, and that was top shelf. Super Team Extraordinaire, Freakazoid, Freakazoid, runs around in underwear, Freakazoid, Freakazoid, Rescue's Washington, D.C., Freakazoid, Freakazoid, and something better's on TV, Freakazoid. All right, so our theme this week, I can't shocker, wait. is ambiguity. Um, Shut up. <laughs> sorry. I'm what not makes sorry. something... F- what makes something true and what makes it false? Okay. Is there any possibility that Trump watched this episode on many years ago and was like, you know what? It would be great. Alternative facts. The whole opening is very like, is this where Kellyanne Conway oh. got that shit? So the easel thing mm-hmm. is the word ambiguity and it's written Shut in like up. a fancy It's font. actually the word ambiguity. We're and not being subtle. And then he spins it. No. Because from any angle, it's the same and he spins it, and when it's upside down, the word ambiguity looks exactly the same because of how it was written. And he's very proud of that. And I'm just like, what easel allows you to spin it wholly around? Like it's like got like a full, like a 
pivot point in the middle and it just anyway um so he said each week we define the ambiguity of truth do we we just got it you know it's something where you know there are shades of truth or whatever so story number one i cannot wait 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 what's he wearing oh what's the freaks the freaks fit same fit shut it all the way up black suit black shirt with dark gray stripes hardest working man in hollywood in the late 90s He's rolling um, up I his mean, sleeves. He's staying in. It's a we good can, one. We can get another one out. Let's just let's pound through it. Okay, go go go. It's like um, it's like how they did they do um like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. They just record a shitload yeah. of them on one day. Um, mm. so anyway, okay. Uh, story number one. Number one. The mummy. The there's mummy. There's no yes, and there's no prop, and it looks seamless. Like he goes from ambiguity and then walks over, and it's just sort of standing near the sarcophagus that's always there. But there's no, like, new prop. Okay, they cheaped out um, on the props. Got it. Oh, yeah. Got They're it. like, oh, shit, mummy, don't need to get one. We got one right there. Um, So, for a museum, a true archaeological find is like winning the lottery. But this is be- because of this, uh, discoveries must be painstakingly authenticated. This can be rewarding and frightening, <laughs> as we will find out. <laughs> frightening? So, okay. We meet... Everyone in this episode mm-hmm. has a bad French accent except for the cleaning lady. Ooh la la. I just want to establish this. I don't think any single one of these accents are real. It's very like, and then I did this. You know, it's very whatever. And I'm so like, this is such a weird detail to have in there. You didn't have to do okay. this. So in my mind, they all have the same accent that my French teacher in high school in Texas had. <laughs> sure. When he's teaching French. Okay. Not a native, not a native uh, Frenchman. No, no, no. French teacher in Texas. No. Uh, we meet Daniel, who has a, the in my notes it says French accent question mark. Um, he is the head curator of the museum. We don't find out what museum. Not this even is. the museum, but the <laughs> museum. And it, like, and I don't know. Like, it's not. I don't think it's supposed to be France. I think it's supposed to be that there's just French people because the cleaning lady is just like. From New Jersey. Okay, so it's implied that if you're in the world of the arts, capital T, capital A, you're clearly vaguely European and probably French. Ha ha ha. So, Daniel, or Danielle, and his boss, Emile, go to (sighs) the private studio of Marcel Ducroix. Shut up. uh, (laughs) Who is a notorious collector. So they go to his private studio, which looks just like a house um, with, you know, lots of hardwood and well, everything. It's private. And so, yeah. Duqu- so Emile is super rude and um, very, 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 very stereotypical French. Oh, uh, he's just very like, you know, our appointment was at one. Like, why were you late? Why, why were you late? You're oh. wasting my time. Um, and if you think I'm kidding, like, I'm not listeners. I know we butchered French several times on this show 100 percent. this is like cartoon french sorry like, i'm not exaggerating so sorry yeah <laughs> the baker's dozens of french listeners we have i promise you what i'm saying now like it's worse in the episode like it's so pepe le pew french accent it's <laughs> so funny um so before when we were doing the house of terror and we were just tr- we were trying our hardest to do french 
that was accidental. That was maybe like accidental manslaughter. Mm-hmm. This is like they cartoonishly murdered the French. This is premeditated homicide it. as opposed to involuntary yes, I'm manslaughter. Cre- I am Got just it. reporting the facts Got here. It. So Duquois was late. He's coughing the whole time. And you're like, mummy's curse. Like, what's going mm-hmm. on? Um, so he hasn't been feeling well. I'm so sorry. Um, but look, I found this mummy. And it's <laughs> a P.S. Princess Ferentiti. And this is literally, it's just a sarcophagus. Probably the sarcophagus from the mansion. Mm. Let's reuse props here. Mm-hmm. Just chilling on a table. It's not like wrapped up or anything. It's not in a crate with like the moss shit. It's just chilling on a table. And um, Daniel's like super excited about it. And he goes over, no gloves on, and just fucking opens it. <laughs> and <laughs> like looking at the mummy inside. The mummy looks robust. Oh. This comes into play later. Okay. It uh, looks like a, does not look like an emaciated mummy. Um, so Daniel spends the next few hours uh, reviewing, verifying, hours. looking at the, you know, um, the provenance, looking at all the paperwork, looking at the wrapping. But he just found it. What paper? Oh, not like authentic paperwork of authenticity, but like the, the items that came inside the sarcophagus? I think it was the, the authenticity of however um, oh. Duquois, like, achieved it because Duquois will not tell them. They're like, where'd Sketch. you get this? And they're like, I'm not at liberty to say. Because it's stolen. So, that mummy is hot. Um, Fell off the back of a truck. <laughs> in France. Uh, so, uh, eventually Emile's like, so Danielle? And Danielle like, is like, he's authentic. Um, so, Marcel keeps coughing and Emile keeps asking, where'd you get it? And he won't say. So, whatever. The museum takes it into possession, and Danielle, over, like, his voiceover goes, we still needed to do final checks and talk to embalming experts, but whatever. They've already put it on display, and in the museum, which doesn't really look like a museum, but in the museum, it's just on display open, again, like, to open air. Like you do. Which, yeah, sure. You know, mm-hmm. definitely don't care about, you know, people touching this or, like, damage from the air conditioning it's like the touch area at the museums where they have the kids set up so you can actually touch the jellyfish here it's like just go touch that mommy like uh, anything that's like a like a touch area now um with covid and everything i'm just like never again well let's be honest this episode sounds like a documentary into how covid actually began oh yeah mummy's curse yeah so the display is there and so then, like, whatever that night, they the museum is closed. The cleaning lady is, like, scrubbing the grounds, like, Cinderella style. And she, like, <laughs> oh, looks God. up and floating in front of the mummy area is a – this is what I noticed. In order, this is what I noticed. It's a woman in modern clothes. Modern for 90s. Modern clothes. It's a white lady. Mm. Um, her, she's barefoot and has red – to- like a really nice red toenail pedicure and she's floating i noticed the floating last because like she's just a little bit off the ground right mandy the cleaning lady screams and then like is telling danielle this the next day and he's like you what you're saying is crazy it must have been the dim lighting and mandy quits on the spot how dare he not believe her i would away. too mandy again carry over from last episode know your worth walk away so so Mandy's like, I swear on my kids, if you don't believe me, Mandy out. So she leaves. Um, and then a week later, a security guard reports seeing the same thing. So then Danielle and Emile are meeting. And 
Daniel's like, Mandy is one thing, but this security guard's been working here oh. for 15 years and is oh. super reliable. Hell no. So because a security guard is a man, I'm guessing they're believing. Okay. All right. You know what, Mandy? Glad you left. Glad yep. you left. And and part of the voiceover is like, Daniel is like, Mandy's totally going to come back. But, you know, oh. she's just mad. You know, because I quit when I'm mad all the time. The audacity. Anyway, the uh audacity of this bitch so emil is like it's just a coincidence it's the power of suggestion the security guard heard mandy say this and now he's seeing the same thing this is bullshit bye i have a dinner appointment and so uh daniel's like of course the director leaves and the curator's here working late and he's in his office which has a fireplace burning the midnight oil, and he's working. And his working is like he's holding a magnifying glass and looking at something. It's real dumb. Get over yourself. And and then he feels a chill. And he just looks up and, like, the fire, like, blows out. I'm like, that's not how fires go out. But he's like, oh, whatever. It's just the fire. <laughs> and then he's like, that's why I just felt a chill. And then he looks up again, and he sees the floating woman who's floating in the doorway, like, out to where, like, into the museum proper. And he's like, oh. Sacre bleu, you know, and <laughs> so he, Mon Dieu. Like, he's, he's like, who are you? What do you want? And she goes, she like goes and like moves her hair away from her temple. And there's like a huge gash that her hair was covering down her face. And she's like kind of, you never see her move when she's floating. Um, so that they don't have to like sure. do that. Yeah. But every so it just cuts to Daniel and then she'll be further away. It's like when you see those um <laughs> like those ninja cat yes. type uh like videos where like you look and then the cat's in one place and you look away and you look about and they're a little bit closer. Uh-huh. It's just like that. And he's like, She wanted me to follow her. So he goes in like to where the mummy is and she's floating by it and she's just like gesturing at it. And he looks down and the mummy has been, un- the head has been unwrapped <gasps> and it's the floating woman <gasps> with the gash. <gasps> That's it. That's the end of the story. And Frakes wraps That's it, it up. That's it? That then Marcel is arrested for murder. He killed this woman and wrapped her up like a mummy. Ooh. And so one, the question is, how on earth did Daniel say this is legitimate when he was examining it? earlier because he's yet another example of a white male in our society that has failed up and he has so much confidence in his abilities that are non-existent no one's ever questioned him answered and then and then the other question is where's the real Ferentiti I'm like I don't think they ever had Ferentiti I think this dude just like bought a party sarcophagus and dumped a party this sar- woman in there. It's a party so, sarcophagus. Is that like a pinata? Do you just like fill it up with candy? Sure. A party yeah, sarcophagus. You, know. you just open it and the candy falls out. Um so that's why I was I was pointing out that the mummy was robust. It wasn't this emaciated thing that had been sure. embalmed and wrapped. It was like a adult woman size thing. Um anyway, so did the story really happen or are we keeping the truth under wraps? Shut up. Um I hate and love it so much. I want it to be true. I love the fake Frenchness. Unnecessary fake the Frenchness. Han, Han, maybe maybe that's the detail where they they were like, well, this happened with French people. Let's throw that in there. Or they're like, how can we spice this up? Because no one's going to believe that there are uh, mummy hunting folks in the middle of New Jersey. I don't know. So, mummy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say true. You're saying true. Moving on to 
the perfect record story number two. The prop is he's holding like a security system, but he's holding just like the unit you usually see on like a wall that people like. And it's from the late nineties, so I'm guessing it was large. Yeah, it's just like like basically looks like a like a thermostat box, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot to get into offices nowadays. ID cards, codes, etc. But the best security is a dedicated human being. Is it Frakes? Is it? So Vic Purnell is one such security guard. Uh, he has a perf. They make a big deal that he has a perfect record. He's been doing this for 15 years, and he has never had a break in or anything like that because he's so good. I was gonna say I don't feel like that's such a uh, reflection on him. I mean, he can't prevent the break in. He can just be there to help when it happens, right? Right, or like stop it, you know, in action. Right, which- but you couldn't actually stop it from. Maybe it's like a when, with like a like a pitcher in a perfect game. Um, okay, where all right, I'll take it. You know, if 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 a hit is caught, it's not a hit. Okay, so maybe I don't know. maybe. So we meet Vic. He is just like stereotypical, like middle aged white dude who's very proud of himself and proud of his security card badge. Um, and he's walking around an office that is clearly under construction. Um. And he's training West, who is a new security guard, who seems to be like, gee, Mr. Parnell, how have you had a perfect record all this time? And he's, like, very into him. Ugh. And he's, like, you know, pointing out, like, everything that's, like, under wraps. Then he's saying, like, behind, you know, the vault is already active. Behind there are all our computers that have all of, like, the secrets that are worth a ton <laughs> on the market. You know. You know where all those computers are with all the top secrets all the in the vault. You know. And he points out this, like, red box that like has the security system in it and he designed it himself. And I'm oh. like, you're a security guard? Like, no Suspect. offense to security guards, but like okay. the security guard is not the one designing no. the system, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, if he is, he so should he be says, a millionaire and not actually doing the security you know? work. Yeah. And then he's like, and here's how you disarm it if it misfires, but that would never happen. And he's like, shows them the right key. I mean, the computers, you know, its hair is so big because it's full of secrets, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway, so Vic is about to settle in. He's down at the, like, the security desk on, like, the lobby floor. Looks very typical. And, you know, he's looking at all of his monitors and he's like, cool, everything's ready. It's time for me to, like, read my book. I'm so excited. Um, (laughs) You don't get to see what the title of the book is yet, but you will see it later. Um, so he is, and he's talking to himself and he's just like, that kid's really green, but I think he could go somewhere, you know, go places. So Wes walks on up and is all like, hey, just finished doing my check. And by the way, sabotage. And then like an accomplice comes out and holds a gun to Vic's head and is like, uh, don't move. Ha ha ha. And so Wes is all (laughs) like, you fucking douche. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's just like, he's like, don't move. And then Wes goes, say goodbye to that perfect record. I'm like, why is everyone so obsessed with this? Why, why, why? Um, And I actually feel real bad because he's like, that kid's going somewhere. And Wes is all like, fuck you. Um, So anyway. So Wes is like, so they've duct taped him to a chair and he's got duct tape on his mouth and all around his body. And he's like. But they leave him by his security camera, like, like the desk, so he can see all the monitors. And Wes is like taunting him from like monitor to monitor, like, what about that perfect record now? Thanks for the key, Vic. Burp. Like being a total, like rubbing it in um, and going like, you liked me and I was an asshole, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So taunting him. 
and they get into the room and like it looks like they're just finding like loose circuit boards like I don't know what these computers are supposed to be I, I assume they're supposed to be like pulling out hard drives but I don't think they like found a bunch of hard drives like it literally just looks like like the green circuit boards that they're just tossing into a thing and they're like we're gonna be on the Bahamas by this time oh, tomorrow good with, with mucho babes did they actually say mucho babes mucho babes in the Bahamas Yep. Mucho babes. One of them says mucho babes and the other one echoes mucho babes. Oof. So Vic is looking at this and is like going crazy. He's like, Ugh! and like, it looks like he's about to have a heart attack. Like his eyes are bugging. Mm. He's struggling so hard. And then the light on his desk explodes and burns out. And he looks at it and he's all like, mm-hmm. And so he starts to like struggle more. Like he's like Stop. No. really struggling to take a very large deuce. And like the <laughs> lights around where the robbers are are starting to explode. And they're like, whatever, it's just a bulb that went out. But they just keeps happening. And then eventually the explosion of one of the lights like causes them to fall down. And, you know, it keeps cutting back to Vic going like. Bleh. And so after they fall down cut to cops who have arrived who are like perp walking them out and they're cutting Vic free and one of them's like well you know we kept seeing the light we kept seeing the lights go on and off you know we wouldn't have even stopped so it's very diehard like he was driving by oh, and they saw the right the place right time came in uh-huh. and, it, and saw him at his reception desk all tied up was all like well shit so like thank goodness and, he, and then um Vic is like Whatever the reason was, my record is still perfect. Oh, Jesus. And then it zooms past him to his book, which is The Power of Telekinesis by Eric J. Mitchell, PhD. Not a real book. I looked it up. Please, I'm so glad that you did. Okay. (laughs) Tell me the freaks wrap up and then I will give you my thoughts. Do you believe this story of top security? No. Or are we trying to sneak one past you? Oh, Okay. (laughs) First of all, hashtag this Questions, is concerns. So many. First of all, hashtag this is 40. Vic, eat some fiber. All right? Like, it's so important. I literally thought it was going to be one of those things where it's like he dies of a heart attack from the trauma of, like, the struggle. Like, it was very... I mean, but, but also no. the way you described it, I thought... I thought that where the story was going was that he was going to telekinesis the, the panic... But the red button that here's what you do when mm-hmm. it misfires, but whatever. But no. No. Also, so so we are to assume this man who's been security guarding for, I don't know, 20 years. and 15. 15. He, and loves to read. That's a fact well, they keep great, dropping the whole great, time. Great. Good for him. So I love to read too. Um, but he learned telekinesis, A, in his free time yeah. while he was supposed to be working. And B, because he was just so mad, he telekinesis did the shit out of the light bulbs, but not the actual security mm-hmm. button. Yeah, like Matilda. I ha- really hate this story. <laughs> I, I'm i going to say false because it made me mad, which means it's probably actually true, but I'm sticking with false. I'm sticking with false. Although, if there was a book on telekinesis, you know I would have read that already. I was hoping it was like a real book that I could like order both of us. I do think it was written by a PhD. Oh, yeah. PhD. It's legit. Yeah. That means. It looks like a text. It was like textbook thick, too. I mean, that means that there would have been someone who theoretically got their doctorate in telekinesis, has dedicated their life to the academic study 
of telekinesis. I mean, or it could just be like their PhD in like English literature, and then they're just like super into telekinesis. In my mind, they are a doctor of telekinesis, okay? <laughs> Unrelated PhD, but I'm still a doctor, so I'm putting that shit on there. I paid that fee. Oh. I paid for that degree. It's going on everything. When I order takeout, this is for Katie Hospital, PhD. PhD. I got my PhD <laughs> in kinesiology, but I wrote my, uh, my oof is on telekinesis. My passion project. All right, cool. So, story number three: mm-hmm. grave sitting. No one else Question can see Frakes. the look I'm giving you, but okay. <laughs> How much money would it take for you to spend a night in a cemetery? Not much. And like so the prop is, he's like putting like stacks and stacks of money together, and he goes fifty dollars, one hundred dollars, and I'm like, stacks what? of money? Are those all ones? Yeah, that is impractical. Yeah. Anyway. Did he just get back from the strip club? Is that where he spends <laughs> all the one dollar bills? I'm so confused. And then it zooms out and sitting on the desk is this gigantic gravestone um, that says Wilbur Lister and some dates on it. The dates are relevant. And then instead of like an angel or anything at the top, it says it's like a skull and crossbones that has been like like etched into the gravestone rather than like any sort of iconography or whatever. I was like, that seems legit. I kind of want that on my What prop department did they borrow that from at the last minute? Like, hey, you hey, idea. hey, guys, 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 we need a gravestone. Hey, hey, there, you guys got any more gravestones on the back lot over there? Run down to the spirit of Halloween, quick. Yeah, 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 go. Is that, is that that abandoned Home Depot off the five? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Melissa doesn't believe in ghosts. She believes in easy money. So... <laughs> We have three teens driving. Teens. Teens. In quotes. Teens. Um, there is, uh, we find out Dustin, who is driving, who is a douchebag. Um, of course. Crystal, his girlfriend, who just wants to make out with him, and that is her character. Do you, do you think it's Crystal then, with a C or a K? Uh, the subtitle spelled it with a C. Well, I'm not, I just, no, but I mean, for her character, do you think she's Crystal with a C or Crystal with a K? C. Okay. And then uh, Melissa is sitting in the back seat without her boyfriend, Glenn, who has stood her up again. And mm. uh, Glenn is like, you're just mad because Glenn stood you up again. She's like, he's not. He didn't stand me up. He has the flu. But then she goes like, I wish he'd stop getting sick on Friday nights. Oh, shit. And, <laughs> and then Dustin and Crystal just sort of like glance at each other. I'm just like, what is this weird side plot? Of, like, we all know she- that Glenn is cheating on you with Crystal's best friend. Friend, but like if you can't figure that out because we all know that easy money is more important to you than being with glenn so just like live your life literally it's the weirdest it's like they're trying to give her more of a personality but i'm just like this is such a weird red herring it's kind of like in the first one how marcel kept coughing he was not a mummy he was not cursed by a mummy or anything it was just like they're this like, weird how can we work in the fact that he has walking pneumonia but he's we have to film today have to He's the only extra we have that can do a convincing French accent. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing is they see a cemetery and Crystal yells, cemetery, like super loud. Wait, the, the way that my girls used to when we'd see like a horse or a cow in the car and they'd be like, horse, cow. Is it like at the top of their lungs, would they say? It? Not even. Cause she, it's very like, cemetery. And then they, and then. Uh, Dustin and Crystal hold their breath and Melissa's like making fun of them and they're still by the cemetery when they start 
breathing again. So I'm just like, what urban legend are you doing? The whole point is you're supposed to hold your breath until you're past the cemetery. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Dustin goes, you know who's buried in that cemetery, right? Wilbur Lister. And Melissa's just like, who gives a shit? She's just like, fuck this. I hate Dustin. Dustin's a douche. She's clearly just there because she's friends with Crystal. She's mad because Glenn's not there. She just is like, fuck ghosts. Ghosts don't exist. Fuck you. She's just not having it. Let's get back to my easy money. You know what I'm saying? Right? Mm -hmm. And then so he like expounds on this that Wilbur Lister was a serial killer who had killed 22 teenage girls and buried them under his house. He was caught, executed, and then buried in that cemetery. And then he goes, row eight, grave 14. And I'm like, why is that part of the tale? That's so dumb. Also, if that were true, wouldn't people just be like messing with a gravesite oh, like yeah. constantly because this guy was such a horrible human being? Like, yup. And then he goes, so the story goes. And Melissa's like, fuck your story. She's like, this is dumb. Ghosts don't exist. This is so stupid. Um, and so Dustin goes, I'll give you $100 if you go sit on his grave for two hours. And she's like, fine. Easy cash. Do we even um, think Dustin has two? I'm sorry, $100. I was going to say 200 but does he even have $100? Come on. Melissa literally says, I'll do it. You'd better have $100. Because, I mean, they're so. they're teens. They are teens. Yeah. Well, supposedly. I mean, but he seems like like he's like a, maybe a rich douche teen. Still. You know? Still. I don't know. He has $100 to give her. Maybe they're not teens. Maybe they're like college kids, which means you'd have even less money, honestly. Yeah. But whatever. So they get – they come up to this uh, like security gate. She's going to get out there because they can't drive onto the cemetery. There's a lot of cemeteries where you can because they're just so big, right? Right, and when you're well, this one I think it's like or... well, since it's the night, I think this is closed for mm. like why would you go on here unless you're doing dumb pranks like this? So okay, they roll on up, they stop. Dustin proceeds to unsheath a gigantic knife. What? That is like shiny. It looks like it belongs to a pirate. It is like it's not even a hunting knife. Like it is a gigantic gigantic dagger of a knife and he goes after you're there for two hours stab this in the grave so that we can know that you were there and then um, when like when they i guess when they come back and check tomorrow even though they're gonna stay there and wait for her i was like yeah couldn't you just then just go ahead and stab the grave and, and that's the stupidest thing okay all so right dumb. Um, so then Crystal's also like, take your phone, because Crystal believes in all this and is very scared. Oh, she has a phone. Yes. Oh. Very flip oh. And like, they're so not even that- these are rich teens. These are yeah, rich they're not teenagers. even that big. They, it, it's it's a, like a Nokia flip. Like, it's not- wow. It's not Zach Morris level. So, um, so then Dustin's like, I'm Wilbur Lister. I'm hungry for your blood. And she's like, fuck you, and leaves. And she's like, going out, and she's got her little knife and like- walking out like, wearing a big okay. trench coat um she's talking to herself like the whole way there going like i'm not afraid of your curse wilbur and i'm like what fucking curse that was yeah no one said anything about and a curse she finds the gravestone um and she's like it's by the big tree i think and it's like row eight grave 14 motherfucker. he already like, told you Gah. um so she finds it she goes oh very cute some kids carved a skull into your gravestone no they didn't this is not like a rough hewn thing this was like part of the like whatever i'm saying that a lot and in my notes there's just a lot of huh and what <laughs> like next to a lot of things anyway and also 
she has like again like oh that's also really cute like they put a secret killer to death on valentine's day what a weird fucking thing to point out look the teens have nothing better to do True. okay so she's just chilling she's like i'm gonna be here for a while wilbur and like she's just sitting right next to the grave or whatever and she's totally fine cut to 15 minutes later she's calling crystal she's like oh there's 15 minutes left the car is all steamy so clearly crystal and Dustin have been like making out the whole time like in front of the Bro. security area of the, they're still there What's and she's wrong like okay with Dustin? like when when we got you, you know, and then Dustin's like, remember to stab the ground or whatever. And then, so, okay. So Melissa's there sitting. She's like, 15 minutes left until our date's over, Wilbur. And then she hears, you're never going to leave here. Nobody leaves unless I let them. And it sounds like Dustin, like, being an asshole. So she calls Crystal back and is like, and they're still fucking kissing and like. How many minutes does she have noises. on this phone? I mean, she must have been burning them. Right? And so she calls Crystal and she's just like uh where's dustin and she's like right here i'm making out with him and so slobber, then Melissa slobber. gets yeah. super scared because she's just like i thought it was dustin like saying the the noise uh-huh. and she's like well i'm done and dustin's like stab the ground she takes out the knife makes like a big stabby yeah. and tries to leave and she can't move <gasps> um and a voice says you don't get to leave and so she starts to get really really scared so she tries to call crystal again and they're just listening to like loud rock music as they make out and like they like don't you hear do the phone and yeah. so they're like did you she's like did you hear the phone and he's like no it was the radio ow, ow, ow. <laughs> Ew. so cut to melissa is dead there oh. are cops everywhere oh. and crystal and dustin are like holding each other all sad are they still trying to put their clothes back on and they're like no marks on her she must have died of fright and they're like why didn't she leave if she was so afraid well when she stabbed the ground she stabbed through her coat and it was pinning her to the grave stop it stop it i there's so many things here that make me want to say true because teens and dumbness and having nothing better to do is the story real or do you have grave doubts? I have grave doubts. I have grave because <laughs> it sounds like an urban legend. This sounds too urban mm-hmm. legendy to me. Well, because I mean, and that was my problem last week, where I was like, "Is it sounds like it's definitely an urban legend?" But is it like because is that does that mean there's a kernel of truth and it's true? But you're saying false, something false. I'm yeah. saying false. Got it. Okay, murder on the second floor. <laughs> do you remember? <laughs> The tallest man you've ever seen. Yes. I stand, I being Frakes, at six feet, four inches. And then he gestures to the prop, which is a cardboard cutout of a Harlem Globetrotter. (laughs) He goes, this life-size cardboard cutout of Harlem Globetrotter, Pascal Frenchie Fleury, is seven foot three. Guinness (laughs) Book of World Records says that the tallest man, Robert Pershing Wadlow, was eight feet 11 inch 11 and one tenth inches was the tall world's tallest man would you remember seeing someone so tall and then if you believe our witnesses you would so now we're back now we're into the story yeah it's just that's it tall dudes have you seen a tall dude no not just have you seen a tall dude would you remember it because apparently there's a group of people who did and someone else is not believing them Right, right, right. So right. the whole thing here is it's a giant, though. So it's not like, did you see someone who's six foot four? It's like, did you see someone who's 18 feet tall? So a hard-boiled looking cop is like, when you're a cop, you have to investigate everyone's murder. 
even if it's someone you despise. And I'm like, taking it personally. Um, so he goes, I didn't know who was the victim that morning, but he was a creep, a wife beater, and he got away with killing his wife a year ago. Bullshit. Um, so Get him. Arrives Get him. On, he arrives at this crime scene, which is an apartment on the second floor. And he goes in and there, you know, there's all the, like, there's the crime scene, like, picture taker guy. There's, like, the guy doing the science, all that stuff. Oh, is there the chalk person? Is there the person there was not the chalk a chalk outline? Oh. Um, so he's like, hey, Felix, who's the Vic? And Felix is all like, George Delarus. I just, like, couldn't read my own writing. Um, and he's like, George Delarus, that scumbag, you know. It was a wife, Peter. He got away with it a year ago. Looks like life finally caught up with George. Basically, right? Nice, nice. How did he die? Well, his neck was broken. He was out on his balcony, like, drinking his coffee, reading his paper, and somehow, some way, someone, even though that the apartment was deadbolted from the inside, someone got in, killed him. Um, So, there are three witnesses. Hardwell cop is standing, and I forget what his name is, and I think they say it like maybe once. Okay, I have to give you real quick feedback. Whenever sure. you say the hard-boiled cop in my head, I am picturing <laughs> a hard-boiled egg. egg with the banana cop and the <laughs> apple cop, okay? They're not just fruit cops anymore. They're a breakfast. Breakfast cops. Breakfast cops. Which makes sense. They're investigating a murder where the guy was on the balcony drinking his coffee and reading the paper. It you all know? makes sense now. Um, I don't see his name anywhere, so he's just going to be hard-boiled cop the whole time. Um, hard-boiled so egg. There are three witnesses, and they all say that they saw a giant man as tall as the balcony. He had on a dark overcoat and had long, flowing black hair. And he just walked up, broke his neck, and walked away. Question. Another question. Sorry, sure. I keep interrupting you, but how dare you? Is there any possibility that it was three freaks on each other's <laughs> shoulders with a really long trench coat, like kids trying to get into the movie theater? No comment. So, oh, uh, hardboiled cop is all like, okay, lady, and then like, okay, other witnesses, fine. He's like fine, like he's nice to them, but it's also just sort of like he doesn't believe them. Like this would be a giant man. Like, so all are, are all the witnesses ladies? Or is There's he also- one lady and then two okay. dudes. But like okay. the only one that we actually hear that's not in like montage of investigation is uh, a lady. So well, she has a tiny lady brain. So I, I mean, don't blame hard boiled egg <laughs> for not believing her. So later. So, OK, so then they see footprints in because it's like there's like a little gardeny type area um, right mm-hmm. under the balcony. And so Felix, the, you know, science guy it makes a cast of a footprint and it's this gigantic ass footprint. And he says, I don't know how he determines this, but he holds up the plaster cast, which is already done. And he goes, whatever made this was over 500 pounds. And I'm like, (laughs) huh? (laughs) Whatever. But it's a huge They are doing more detective work for this made up episode than they did on the Lady in the Lake episode where there were no caster uh, prints of her footprints or her butt prints. It's true. Dang. Um, so later, Hardboiled Cop comes back to the apartment to like walk through it and like get a sense. Sure. Yeah. You got to get a vibe. Like, yeah. is it a murdery vibe? Yeah. So he's walking around. He's just like, he, he was remembering that like Maria had once lived there. Maria was the wife who he murdered and he got away with it. And apparently he used to brag that he got away with it. You know? Ew. 
Um, Ew. Maybe Maria just came back and clocked him real good. Could be. Um, so he remembered that she lived there and he's like, she, he remembers that she had a colorful history and was a performer in Vegas and he finds what? an album. She was part of like a, a, a circus act in Vegas? Like a, like an acrobatic troupe with oh, her, right. with her three brothers. Oh, who interesting. she kept in touch with. Interesting. And wrote letters and told all about all the beatings and terrible things that George was doing to her. Oh. And it, all of these things are in this scrapbook of hers. That's um, so interesting. I wonder if you divide 500 by three, I wonder what their approximate size so was. he's flipping through this thing and he goes, and you know, the fact that it goes blank because she died, like he's like, this is also like a diary because like she couldn't continue on. And then he's walking around. He's like, there's got to be a solution. And directly next to his head is a poster of from like advertising their act. And it's definitely like an oldie timey, po- like circusy poster. It's not Ooh. like a modern. It's so or the stupid. men wearing like like the 1920s bathing suits with like the, the barbell kind of. Thing. I mean, it's like a drawn. It's like a drawn like okay. oldie timey circus poster. And um, it's the three of them. Like the one, and then one is sitting on one's shoulders, and then one is sitting on one's shoulders, and like there's like a cape behind them, and she's like this next to them, and it says the famous human tower, and so he sees this and he goes, well, I could have filed for extradition papers because they live in Italy, um, but I didn't really care much for George Delarousse, and Italy is out of my jurisdiction. End of story. But here's the thing. Why would they have a gigantic footprint? (laughs) Why would they? Because it wasn't like, here is one footprint and it was so deep, this guy was so big. It was like a dinosaur-sized footprint. But it's also, you're right. It was three dudes in a trench coat. I love that I came up with that. I Okay, so we are to believe Maria and her many family members were part of a circus act Yep. In Las Vegas. Yep. And then she it, left the act to marry George. Because George was Delarousse. George Delarousse was just such a man. And then the brothers were like, well, if you're not part of the act anymore, we're just going to skedaddle back to Italy. I love it. Uh, it's awful. <laughs> it's so awful I'm going to say it's true. Okay. Because it's just so dumb that I thought of the three kids in a trench coat. Okay. Literally. And like when I was watching, I was like, was it a bunch of dudes in a trench coat? And then it was a bunch of dudes in a trench coat. Okay. Last story called They Towed My Car. Oh, this sounds like the story of, this is my autobiography. (laughs) They towed my car. So um, the prop is literally like keys to a car, like the boop boop. Um, so Ooh, have you ever huh? walked out of a mall and forgotten where you parked your car? Never. You could wander for hours or wait until it's dark and your car is the only one left. Um, or here's a modern solution. You can use your remote key. Like he's literally telling you, you can use your remote key and make the locks on so you can have a noise to follow. Did this um, come out pre or post the Seinfeld episode where they lost the car in the mall in New Jersey? Again. Hot take, I didn't watch or care for Seinfeld. I have no idea what you're talking about. Say, there's, there's a whole episode where they, they go to the mall in New Jersey and they park in the parking lot and they're just stuck there forever because they can't find the car. Here, uh, what happens if your car is gone and is towed? 
The story of the man really? and the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? What it. happens? You call the number. I mean... The story of the man in the designer suit is famous in Beauville County. I looked this no. up. There is a Beauville County in Alabama. I'm it's, sure it's not famous in Beauville County. Alabama, I doubt it. And this looks okay. like they're trying to set it in Louisiana by like kind of, uh, you know, shit that's around. Are, are there crawdads everywhere? There are not crawdads like floating down the street. Are there? Are there jazz musicians? No, it's just more that the um, like they mentioned like a bayou. At one point, you know. Um, Down on the bayou. At one point, uh, our dude in the designer suit is, like, sitting on the porch of a house. And, like, the house has those, like, French Quarter style, like, balconies. Okay. All right. All right. So. <clears throat> Down in the trim just <laughs> my baby. Okay. So, I'm so sorry. There is a Please dude continue. in a ripped, we are told, designer suit. He's covered in dirt. Everything's torn. He's got, like, a gash on his head. And he's just mumbling, they towed my car. And he's just sort of stumbling um, through the streets. His name is Edward Decatur. And um, it is, was a, he was a sight that the people of Beauville County had never seen before. And, like, he's just wandering in the street. And, like, cars that are trying to get around him are, like, honking at him. Like, get out of the way, asshole. Mm-hmm. And just, like creep or whatever and like no one's helping him and then there are these two old dudes who are sitting on lawn chairs in front of a grocery store and they're like they're sitting on lawn chairs in front of a grocery store yeah like just chilling in front of like like a like a bodega type little store and uh they're just sort of chatting and he's and they're like he's look like he looks like he's having a and like in awful southern accents um he looks like he's having a real bad day and he's from the city. How can you tell? What makes you an authority? And it's like, oh, well, look at that suit. Even though it's ripped, that cup, like costs money or whatever. So the guy stumbles up to them. You and see like, how Shit. he's bleeding from his head? Let's just sit here and make fun of him. Right? And so he like kind of stumbles up to them and they're like, Hello. Can I help um, you, sir? And he's like, they t- he just keeps saying they towed my car. And he's like, well, we're retired. And it's like, that doesn't, okay. What? And then they towed my car. <laughs> That's a shame, son, but we can't help you. I have to find my car. Um, and then he, like, kind of stumbles away. And then he, like, say, boy, looks like he's been attacked by a pack of dogs. And I'm, like, in my notes, I'm, like, why is no one helping this dude? They see this yeah. dude who's, like, Or call the police, call an ambulance, call some In Bayou someone. Mud is what Frank Ew. says, you know. And just, like, like literally, like, clumps of, like, moss and grass. Like, he's like, looks awful. Um, and... So I'm like, no one is helping this guy. What the hell? And then literally the next line was like, Frank's going, when they tell the story of the man in the designer suit, they point out that no one in Beauville County was showing him kindness except little Reese, who's this little 11-year-old boy. And he's like, what's wrong with you, mister? You know, and uh, <laughs> they towed my car. They towed my car. Well, I'll help you find it, sir. Why no, are you so dirty and beat boy. up? I've got to get something out of the trunk you sure are strange mister and he like takes his hand and is like no walking. a little boy never like, help an adult never and he's just like if someone towed your car wally you'll know because wally's like the mechanic and the guy that tows cars around there so wally would know so he's just leading him through and then like the old men are just like don't say like hey reese what, what were you doing they just maybe like, you shouldn't walk off with a stranger you know? with a head wound and they're just, just like do, 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 do. so they roll on up to wally and while and like Reese is like, Wally, can you help my friend? And Wally's just like <laughs> and like yanks Reese away and is all like, What are you doing with this man? And <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks. well thanks, Wally. At least some adult cares. Jeez. And then and then, you know, Edward's like, they towed my car. And then 
Reese is just like, he's trying to find his car, and he said it was towed. Um, he looks like he's down by the river or whatever, you know. And Wally's just <laughs> you mean like, well, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and then Wally's like, I did tow a car out of the river this morning. And then the man what? is still inside. <laughs> <laughs> they write themselves. They write themselves. Did okay, you? I'm sorry. Did you cheat and watch this? Or no. Um. So. He's like, mister, they, this is probably your car. And so they go over to the car and then like Edward's over there and he's just like banging on the trunk. Like I have to get something out of the trunk. And while he's like, do you have the keys? I have to go. And he just like, is like really frustrated and very like lurch and Frankenstein's monster. Like, Zombie. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah, and then um, while he's like, okay, I'll take a crowbar to it, but it's going to, and he's like, I got it. And he's like, okay, God, like, Jesus and, Christ, mister. And so he opens it. And with a crowbar and more water than could possibly be in there, like comes pouring out. And uh, Wally looks in there and goes, <gasps> and then Risa goes like, what is it, Wally? Frakes' voiceover goes, he didn't want to show him, but he needed another witness to see. And like, he looks oh, in. Oh, no. And it's Edward's dead body. Of course. And then Risa looks behind him and goes, where'd my friend go? End of story. <laughs> Frakes. <laughs> posits was this an identical twin then where did edward go and then he says maybe the answer is with all of his gambling debts to organized crime why did you just throw that in at the last minute frakes was this inspired by an actual incident or are we pulling your chain okay i'm gonna say inspired by an incident because if i've learned anything in our time <laughs> watching these shows is that the ones that have a ghostly element tend to beat the true ones, which is bizarre. Uh-huh. But that's what I'm going with. Okay. Also, I love the fact that, A, there's some dudes hanging out on lawn chairs outside of the grocery store. It's a town refused, of 300 people. Refuse to help the guy with a gaping head wound. Yep. Let this 11, 10, 11-year-old kid just walk off with this stranger, and they're just like, have fun, Billy. <clears throat> the mummy. The mummy. The, you know, murdered woman who was wrapped up as a mummy. And an impeccable and the, pedicure. And it, literally, I was just like, huh? What? Because at first I, I mean, thought I was like, I was like, did they put a white lady? Is the white lady the mummy? And then I was like super pissed. And I was like, oh, she was a white lady that was stuffed in there. But she, at least, at the very least, it wasn't like this mummy lady was white from back in ancient Egypt. Yeah. Like Elizabeth I mean, Taylor style. my toes... My toes are awful enough at this point, a year into COVID quarantine style. They look like mummies. It looks like I got 10 little mummies on the end of my little, feet. Got some talons going on. All right. Uh -huh. So uh, you said true. Mm -hmm. This is, in fact, true. <laughs> I have at least met my previous record. <laughs> That's so ridiculous and stupid. <laughs> All right. Next, we have the perfect record with our telekinetic roid rage yes. uh, security guard. Yes. You said false. Yes. This was true. <laughs> it was. God damn it. God. Frake specifically says this comes from interviews done by Robert Traylens, who wrote a book called Strange Events Beyond Human Understanding. And this is what a lot of the true stories in this are based on. Aha. Uh -huh. 
So uh, he apparently did huh. a lot of interviews and things like that. This book was released in 1966, which does oh. sort of makes a lot of sense that they're basing it off of kind of like older stories than trying to update them. And maybe that's uh-huh. where the based on is really coming from, like changing a diary to a laptop or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I went to look for it on Amazon. And the first, re- I haven't looked that hard, but the first result that came up was someone selling a used copy for $100. So might might be out of print at this point shut up so um so true, true. um so you're one for one for two one for two 50 percent right here so uh story three grave sitting with the girl who stabbed through her yes, coat with a big was like, comically huge dagger uh-huh, uh-huh um and i realized now back in the story i said that like dustin whips out a comically huge like I realize that that could have gone very differently, but a dagger. Um, it's going to be podcast is not for on- children. Is not. <laughs> we mark it as explicit because I cannot stop dropping f bombs, y'all. Yep. So grave sitting. You said false. This is an urban legend. Yes. It is indeed false. Yes. And it is indeed. Frank says this is an urban legend. Y'all ready for this? All right, murder on the second floor with our three dudes in a trench coat. <laughs> you said true. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is true. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. <laughs> Look, Katie, the next time we want to commit a crime. <laughs> three dudes in a trench we just need one more person. <laughs> and a really and long say, trench coat. It was a coat. giant 18-foot man. <laughs> we just also need a really long trench coat. Where do we find a trench coat that's two stories big? Oh, my God. That's... Wow. I mean, I am your, your mother is a gifted seamstress. She, she really is. Mom, Mom, are you there? Are you listening? She's not listening. <laughs> Note to self. When I listen to this later... Talk to mom about the possibility of stitching together a very long trench coat, but with normal arms, just a very long trench coat. And finally, they towed my car with our ghost that wants people to find him in his own trunk. And our intrepid Um, 10-year-old protagonist, I suppose. Who shows the power of kindness, really. You know... Um, the real journey was inside of ourselves. All along. All along. Uh, you said false. Mm-hmm. This was true. Oh, that's true. Damn it. God. Because there was a ghost involved. Because oh, there yeah, was damn. a ghost involved. And that ghost would be doing the lifting. He wants someone to find him. <laughs> I don't know. Down on the bayou. Three out of five, though? I mean, dun, 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 I'm surprised dun, dun, I'm not melting all this equipment <laughs> by being so close to it with the flames that are coming out of my body. The, f- the hot flames fire. of genius. My so... brain is telekinesically <laughs> setting shit on fire at this point. <laughs> that I learned in a book. Written by a PhD, so that means it's real. Oh, yeah. Um. So... Listeners, how did you do? Play along Jenny, at home. Jenny, specifically. How did Jenny you do? Jenny, specifically. How did you do? 
She said when when she asked me about Frakes Free, she said she had just gotten to our first Frakes episode. Oh, so it'll be a minute before her. she hears her shout out. But I would like to her to specifically let us know how yes. she does. Yes. Um, I'm looking through Buy Nothing right now to see if there's anything funny, but it's all like normal. Meanwhile, Super Husband wanted to put a something on the Buy Nothing list, which I told him absolutely not because he was like it's never been used and i said yeah but it's real gross he's like yeah i guess it is kind of crusty but somebody would probably take it it was a the bottle that you would use for the saline mist to squirt up your nose and he had never used it but let me tell you it's a bottle you use to squirt stuff up your nose and it's so old is it say neomed on it is it like one of those Yeah, yeah 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 and it's so old it had like dust and crud all over i was like no i no. For optics alone, no, I I will not let. Especially, it's recyclable, so just put it in the recycle. Like no, but it's it's like that plastic is only supposed to last six months anyway. We just get rid of it. Yeah, real gross. Yeah, I, I like like for the optics. Like you're not gonna let him try to give away a cake missing a slice. That's my so fingers weird. Are going through it right now. Oh yeah, that's my that's my mystery is what bit me to oh. make my pinky so awful. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not better yet. Listeners, how did you do? Let us know. Uh, you can get in touch with us at winetimespod at gmail.com or on Instagram or Twitter at winetimespod or at our personal accounts. I am at Katie Haas and MM is at True Crime Wine 69 Thank you as always to Chris Hansen. And um, we'll see you next week. Come pop a bottle with us and I'll be in the bottle. hot seat again. Let's see if I can live up to MM's excellent day oh, today on with fire. her over I bet Jenny 50%. got it. I bet Jenny got at least four out of five. I mean, I we have a lot of hope for you. Jenny. Jenny's like that. Mm-hmm.